bless by fulfilling your word today. We want to be witnesses for you in the great way. And we thank you, Lord, for giving us an opportunity to share and be blessed by your holy word. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. So uh, today I thought I'd talk to you on a few principles of the prayer covenant the prayer covenant uh, because we do have a covenant with God that includes prayer Um, everything that God does with believers he does through our covenant and so when you realize that you have a prayer covenant with God that there is a commitment and obligation there Uh, God does nothing for us that he doesn't require back from us. He enables us to do these things. And so there are a number of scriptures in the Bible that indicate that we are to live a life of prayer. And a life that is um, guided by prayer. Uh, It is guided by contact with God. It's guided by petition uh, of God. It's guided by all of these things. So. I think it's really, really important for us to focus in on our prayer covenant. And we also have a covenant of worshiping God. We have a covenant of of, uh, serving God. All of those things. So we are tied in and obligated and God expects us to pray. That's an expectation of his. And not just for our personal needs, but also to live a life of prayer and intercession. So God's ordained certain blessings and benefits if we will do things in a certain way. And that always entails communion with him, communication with him, and prayer. And so uh, that word covenant really means to cut. The word covenant means to cut. And what is cut? Well, the flesh of of two human beings was cut and their blood was mingled in a covenant. And that signified that they were one person. They had peace with one another. Uh, If you can imagine... In the early days of man's existence, we didn't have nations. We had different groups of people or we had uh, people who would band together uh, for the sake of survival. And one of the ways they had of making sure that they were going to help each other and not fight each other was through the blood covenant. When we uh, talk about those things, we they're so removed from us as a nation because we work by contract in this nation. We don't have blood covenants. The, one of the reasons we don't is because Jesus made a final covenant that tended to wipe out the necessity for all the other ones. His covenant is eternal and it supersedes all the other ones. I remember when we were little kids, we would uh, do things. I want to be your blood brother and blood sister. I don't know if you, you did those, but we played it. It was a game. It wasn't real. But in earlier times before Christ, it was real. And the, the mingling of blood meant that you were one and you didn't shed one another's blood anymore. In fact, you would avenge uh, that brother that you were in covenant with until the last person, until the last man. So they made it somewhat eternal in that sense. But when the true covenant of God came into the earth, it made all the other ones obsolete and meaningless. So that now it's more of a game than it is anything else because uh, there's no necessity for it anymore. 
And so this new covenant that we've entered into, it's in the blood of Jesus Christ. And he has made of two people one. So we're one with him. The fact that we got G, we have accepted his shed blood as payment for our sins means that we are friends with God now. We have peace with God. We're no longer strangers. We're no longer aliens. We can call him father. We have a place in his family. We have a place in his heart. We've been invited back behind that veil and we have a true place with him. That place has always been there. We just weren't aware of it. So the shed blood brought us into awareness and acceptance of what God already has provided for us. Imagine that he held a place for you at his dinner table. All those years. All those years he's held a place for each and every one of us. And he wants to invite more in. And that's part of our covenant with him as well. Everything we do in God we do through commitment. I I feel for people who think this is the type of thing where you can drop in and drop out. You know you try it and if you don't like it you move on. That's what God refers to when he talks about whoredoms. You see. You try somebody. If you don't like them, you just you know move on. And so God has the reason that we can't do that with God is He's made it so certain by His blood. His blood has made our acceptance so certain that if we'll accept it by faith, we have no need to move on. See, there's no need to move on because that thing is so real in you. You know you found the the true thing and the real thing. And so my encouragement to people, you know, I'll see people that they, they, the primary thing is church hopping. Now people don't even bother to come anymore. They sit in front of TV when they feel guilty. And they feel like they've heard some, uh, they've been in church because they heard some preacher preach. You know, he's on there because he got enough money to get on there and he's asking them for some. You understand what I'm saying? There's nothing there of any kind of, of semblance of what Jesus formed in the book of Acts. See, that's the church. What you see in the book of Acts is the real church. This business of sitting in, in a remote place and, and listening and getting up and turning it off when you want to, that's not church. You see, that's not church. That's you trying to control God. Control his message. Control his ministers. There's no relationship there. When Paul went and visited the churches, they saw him face to face. You got me? He didn't come in on a chariot with an entourage and beating the people back and say, you can't touch me and you can't get within 10 feet of me because I'm too holy for you. You got me? So this stuff that we have, even though you're hearing the word and you're hearing it preached, it's not church. It's not what Jesus ordained for us. And so we have to understand exactly what it is that God has for us. And you do it in a covenant relationship. A covenant means that you are committed. So even though you may not like what you see in your church or if somebody offends you there, you're there to learn the principles of living for God. One of the principles is forgiveness. The people who get angry and move on are unforgiving people. So God put you there to get offended so that you would learn how to forgive. So then you could take it home to your family and win them over to Christ through your forgiveness and your love. 
so we quit too soon and and generally those people find something they like the first place they go they get offended because God brought you there to learn how to forgive second place you go you're not as offended and so you get there and you get involved with the the nonsense and the fluff and the gossip and the foolishness you eventually leave there and so you get to a place where there's very little power there's very little word there's very little sincerity but you like that because you really didn't go there to get trained and taught you went there to have a good time or find a husband or see how many singles there are there see if they had a place for you to sing how big the choir was if you had a spot for this or that you understand what I'm saying so people who are there in covenant and there for God understand that I'm staying because God drew me here this is the place for me and no matter what happens this is my home this is where I'm supposed to be and that's the way that's the only way you'll get any fulfillment out of any situation you have to be committed to it we've got people out here who who get mad at a a spouse and then go get another one get mad at that one and go you know they got a rap sheet that long and so you can't live like that you have to get committed God is committed to you he wants you to be committed to him so a covenant is a commitment until death got me we have an eternal covenant which goes beyond death it goes into eternity and so when we think about any work we do for God we must think about it in terms of eternity when God tells us to pray he means us to pray forever and not quit and not give up because he does not uh, give up on us he said he would never leave us or forsake us so if he won't forsake us that means we can't forsake him there's no such relationship where you can get all of the benefits and have no obligations there's no such relationship like that if you treated me like that I quit you in a New York minute and you quit me too because nobody wants to be used and nobody people want to be loved and part of love is giving part of love is being considerate giving back in kind if somebody I remember my husband and I used to uh, you know play this game of whoever gets up brings the other one what they want out the kitchen you know what I'm saying They're sitting there watching television somebody gets up just bring me so and so and I noticed if we try to wait each other out you know he said looking at me he wants something I said look at anyone okay I'll get up and I'll do it you know what I'm saying but, and so, but God isn't like that you understand what I'm saying you you want somebody to reciprocate you don't want to be the one always getting up and getting the drinks for everybody so praise God and so what, what God does for us because he plants that seed in us that seed will grow and we'll find ourselves doing those things because we love God as well and one of the things he wants us to do is to live a life of intercession and a life of prayer intercession really is an invitation to make godly changes in the earth that's what you're invited to do you're invited to make the changes that God would have to do want to do in the earth the Bible says that we are as as Jesus would be in this earth and so the things that he would want to do to straighten out life for people those are the things that we are required to do through intercession 
So what is intercession? The intercession is the act of impinging upon either by accident or by violence. So in intercession you impinge upon these situations. Either by interacting with them, maybe counseling someone, speaking to them, sharing the word with them, or by violence. In other words, apprehending, making the devil drop it, and you pick it up for God. You got me? So it's, it's returning things to their rightful owner, depositing these souls back into God's hands. And wrestling them from the devil. Intercession is is you can uh, impinge upon these things through entreaty. That is by petitioning someone with words. To entreat someone means to appeal to their sense of morality. Appeal to their sense of right and wrong. To appeal to their sense of understanding God. If you can bring someone to into agreement with something with you in prayer. That's a way of entreating them. So what we do when we pray and we pray in pairs. Is we entreat one another to come into agreement and then we entreat God. We petition him and we speak to him. And we ask him to, to uh, make changes. Change Changes according to his word. To intercede also means to fall upon. It means to lay or to light upon. So really what you're doing when you're interceding is there is a situation going on that may not have been have changed in years. And all of a sudden through prayer you start to light upon that thing and cause that thing to change and cause it to be released into its rightful owner, into the hands of its rightful owner. It means to meet together. Supplication, that's one of the words for intercession. A suppliant or a supplicant is a person that bears an olive branch. And the olive branch was always the sign of peace. When they would, would um, give uh, um, some of their, in Rome, the emperors would wear uh, what they called a laurel branch or a branch as a crown. And that meant they were coming in peace. If they came in full armor, they came in war. And so they would wear that laurel or crown or, or laurel leaves as a, as a crown when they came in peace. You would see if, say if they would bring Caesar through on his chariot today, you know, his boys got him hooked up and... Instead of wearing a big gold chain around his neck with a cross on it, he would wear a laurel or an olive branch uh, laurel in his hair. And so as a crown to let people know he was coming in peace. And so when Jesus would say, I am the prince of peace, think how that would disturb Caesar. You got me? You see, when you think about these things, when he came into the world, all of the things that got addressed by him were things really that either the the religious leaders or uh, the Caesars were promising people. Got me? When the pilot asked him, "Are you a king?" Oh, if you called yourself a king, man, the Caesar, he was really upset. He's king of what? You coming to invade me, or what are you coming in to do? And so, all of these things disturb. Is an intercessor. Jesus would preach these things, and he would light upon the disturbance in the world. He would light upon the fact. 
that the Romans were very brutal people and when they would go into a land they conquered everything and killed off everything they couldn't use and enslaved everything they could use and so he came to disturb their little security that they had and it disturbed them too it really did because they they would uh, you know lay down palm trees in in Jesus path and that's what they did for emperors and for kings and so all of these things as in see this is a, a form of intercession where Jesus comes preaching love preaching truth preaching the gospel and then these people start to elevate him to the place where he really is in glory but it did begins to disturb the natural kingdoms down here on this earth and that's what you do when you pray you disturb the natural kingdoms down here you upset the natural order of things you upset that's why people are trying to shut Christians up now trying to silence us you know they're going to get to the point now where they're going to start demanding you see now they're already filing suit if you got a uh, a business and you don't want to do a homosexual wedding you know who wants to go in and get offended by some of their lewd behavior you know I mean just just as a normal human being you don't want to get involved in that kind of stuff and so if they decide they don't want to do business with them because of the type of affair it would be now they're getting sued it won't be long before they're demanding churches to perform ceremonies for them whether they're a member or not whether you want them or not whether you agree with that or not these demands these challenges are going to be made and so this is why people who pray have an answer already banked up in the realm of the spirit see your answer can't come when they invite you on television and you try to think of something that sounds nice your answer has to be banked up in the spirit already so that when you get before these people God gives you what to say and it will silence and paralyze your enemies that's what you want you want that kind of word you want that kind of word so that's what you do when you light upon and you meet together it means to pray to reach or to run the intercessor makes up the hedge and protects the kingdom of God and its inhabitants so we form a protective barrier around what God's doing down here in the earth we perform we put a protection over his vessels that he's using to carry his message all of that it all has to be protected we put a, 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 a hedge around the works that God is doing down here because the work is, is very important and so when you intercede you do all these things all believers can intercede not all are called as watchmen but they can work as watchmen you got me with some people it is a calling with some people it is a work I would never quit doing what I'm doing I'm always going to be doing this I've been doing it almost 30 years now so I'm going to be doing it forever it's not something that I, I pick up and lay down because I know God's called me to this and so if, if you feel the call as well you respond to the call and say God I am going to stand on my watch I'm going to be the responsible person and I am not going to quit watchmen work uh, with a prophetic anointing to uproot evil and plant the kingdom concerning the future for a city region nation or all of the above 
And this is a life of committed to this work on a continual or daily basis. So it just depends on how often God has given you to pray. But when you do watching prayer, uh, there is a difference there. You are you are taking on the responsibility of seeing to it that this thing comes to God's end. It doesn't just you don't just start and stop, do it for a while, and and it's okay not to do it. It's taken up. Uh, by you as a continual work you'll know if it's if it's something God has committed you to because the Holy Spirit will always remind you to do it see he's the one who is the intercessor you know he is the chief intercessor and so many times you know sometimes people will say well I don't know if I should pray for this anymore because so and so and such and such and then they'll stop and I think, well, yeah, better. You understand what I'm saying? It's it's just that way. When when you have a prayer covenant, you understand it. The Holy Spirit will always knock at the door of your heart and remind you that you are committed to this prayer. So, what is prayer? I'm going to give you some different kinds of prayer, and you just make some some notes on it. Because there are different kinds of prayer. In Ephesians 6 it talks to us about praying in all kinds of prayer. Intercession we just talked about. It really means to stand in another person's place. So you pray out of your your heart what somebody else needs. So you are praying as though you were praying for yourself. When the Holy Spirit takes over, there's no difference in your prayer. If you pray for me, if you pray for one of your children, if you pray for your pastor, if you pray for a friend. The Holy Spirit has uses your voice, your spirit, your being to pray through you as though you were praying for yourself. Also, we do pray for ourselves. And so we can intercede for ourselves. Supplication is another type of prayer. It means to beg humbly and earnestly and bring peace. Peacemakers go the ultimate limit in seeing to it that there's reconciliation between parties. Their goal is to bring reconciliation and it's almost as though they have nothing invested in themselves. They just keep going back and forth until it's settled. They are negotiators in a sense. They, they are able to carry out. For instance, uh, there was a woman that, that uh, had come to um, uh, my home uh, Tippy and Tony had a garage sale and you know Tony he'll talk to anybody he'll talk to your shoe for two hours you know what I'm saying it's like I'm wondering what is he talking about Why is he, you know but that's that's his thing you know between him and God whatever but they um, they did share Christ with the lady and found out she was a believer and I think they had given her a tract or, or a book or something like that. And, uh, you know, just to share some things with her, she, her being a Christian. And uh, she came back by our house like a year later. And she said that she just remembered, she said, I remember being here and I remembered you talked to me about the Lord and you seemed so nice. And so when we just talked to her and found out that her husband had brain cancer. And uh, so she kind of sat and I talked with her. Um, 
in my kitchen I sat her down and I asked her I said well I said are you guys in a church what do you what did it teach she said well we don't go you know and there's this big wall see this guilt thing hanging there and when you see that you've got to let God help you with this because this is this man's life is hanging in the balance there's this wall between them and God's way of helping them and you got to know how to get in there and help this so that they and I asked her why I said you mind telling me why I said you know I said you know honey it's important to, to get into a good church and I said you know your husband can be healed in that atmosphere and I just was encouraging her and she said this she said well we 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 got saved you know years ago 10 years ago something like that she said and we had been to some rallies anti-abortion rallies and she said they told us to take these packets to our church and show them to our pastors so they could speak out against abortion she said we went to three different churches and none of them did what we asked them to do and I told her I said well I said you know what I said it's been so long ago I said why don't we just you know you just let that go and and forgive them I said you know to be honest with you I said that violates a lot of principles that God has about how ministers are to conduct church I said really they're not to just you know take notices from people and and give those out I said but they have a message to give to that congregation that has to do with them being healed being blessed being encouraged I said you know just give them some time to look at those things and don't make your decision about your spiritual life based on whether or not they do something you want them to do I said sheep come in humble to hear the word and to learn I said your husband needs healing so badly I said why don't you can you just let that go can you just forgive these people and get your husband into a good church that will teach in the word so he can be healed do you understand what I'm saying it's it's something that you have to beg people to do you got me you just can't say this is wrong and you know you can't do that that you have to work with people to see if you can reason with them to get them to understand what's really important here and so I gave her some information I said I'm going to give you some tapes to listen to I said I'm give you instruction I said but I feel like it would really really help you if you would just release these people that didn't do what you expected them to do maybe they disappointed you as a young Christian but understand that God has a place for you to go and let your husband be healed I said please let this go so that your husband can be healed and so it, it's it's bringing peace between people it's when you're a peacemaker your issue you're not there to say who's right and who's wrong that's not peace that's judgment when peace there is a place where both parties can be right both parties can be wrong but that's not the issue here we want to come together and we want to work together and, and be reconciled 
And so when you're bringing reconciliation to people, you have to go the extra mile. You got to lay everything down and, and you not be important at all in order for you to bring that, you know, uh, into people's hearts because somehow they got twisted and turned around and felt that that was why they were in the church they were there to spread this message instead of they being there to learn so that they and so 10 years down the road they're still locked into that place and the husband's sick now so what do you do can you let that go for the sake of your husband getting well and can you really can you really see what the balance is and see many times when we're offended we can't see the price down the road but a person who is a suppliant or a peacemaker can see the price now and they can see the price down the road that's why we preach forgiveness and reconciliation to all people because as a, as a peacemaker you can see where this lack of peace between people will damage relationships it tears down churches it tears down all kinds of systems because people cannot strive and build you've got to let strife go if you're going to build and so it's very very important so as a suppliant you will beg humbly and earnestly to bring peace about it's very important Uh, somebody you know uh, what's his name has a Jesse Jackson has a gift for that I mean really a, a, a very strong gift in that area that man can go anywhere and people will listen to him because he knows how to bring parties striving parties together and and that is something that's very very much necessary I think it was somewhere they had some people hostage somewhere and he went over there in a day got them people let go because he knows how to go in there you know we look at him as kind of like you know but he's supposedly a preacher but not you know public what is he you know you just don't know but then there's that gift there that comes alive at the right time you know and, and in the right situation I mean in his personal life hasn't been anything to brag about but the gift is still there folks we need him around if he can go and get people to lay down their swords and <laughs> and let hostages go we need him around so you know that's that's just the nature of that though but some people are extremely gifted that way uh, another kind of prayer is tongues and that we all know that the gift of tongues 1 Corinthians 14 14 and that's a prayer that's void of mental understanding so you can pray freely from your spirit without having mental understanding of what what you're praying which is good because if you're praying for things down here on earth there are certain things that have to be held secret for a season and there are certain things that have to be known so you pray in the English and you pray in tongues declaration means stating the will of God praying his word so you declare what God has said about situations over what you see going on in the natural another prayer is a prayer of agreement where two or more people accept the will of God and God says when you do this I'll do whatever you ask me so you see how important love reconciliation and forgiveness are to God he says if two of you can get together and agree on anything and you think about it it's not that easy 
But when you both adopt the word of God, you can find agreement very easily. Huh? Do you want a job? Yeah, I want a job. God says that you're supposed to prosper. Okay, let's pray. You got me? And so when you find the word, you can find agreement if that individual is accepting of God's will. A threefold cord is a different uh, dimension of prayer. And that is three souls that agree for the will of God. And the Bible says a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And so what you might find sometimes is there are certain issues that need to be dealt with that way. They're kind of beyond the prayer of agreement. One of the things we found through through prayer throughout the years is when you deal with things that uh, have a strong witchcraft element to them, uh, the prayer of agreement, the threefold cord is almost essential because it's very difficult to break a power that has intimidation where it can can uh, uh, cause discouragement to fall on people very quickly. That's one of the retaliations of witchcraft is that they'll put fear and, and, uh, and uh, uh, discouragement on the minds of the people. And so if you fo- form a threefold cord, you just get one more person to pray with you on that. It tends to strengthen your resolve to see it done so that it's not easily broken. Um, people who have had loved ones missing or kidnapped or something or kid a kid that run away a lot there's witchcraft involved in that that's very much occult when your uh, loved ones are missing terrorism has the same thing involved in it and so any of these fierce uh, uh, intimidation situations, uh, you get a threefold cord. Don't be too proud to ask people to pray with you like that. You know, just do what you need to do so that you can get, get that done. I remember uh, there was a, um, a early in our ministry a woman that had two boys and they were chronic runaways. And the, we would we would pray in a threefold cord, and the boys would turn up like next couple of days. And she'd be shocked. She'd open the door. She said, "She said usually if my boys would run away, she said it'd be a month before I could find them. They'd be off in another city somewhere with some relative called her. They finally showed up over there, something like that. They always seemed to get home, but this thing was broken so quickly. And kids, and when they got there, they wanted to stay, and that was the important thing. So that." power gets broken off a person's mind and they're free to think normally when your children don't want to stay home it's not normal it's normal for kids to want to stay at home they feel secure with their family they have provision there I mean you'd have to be out of your mind to not want that and so you know they they you this puts them in their right mind there's there's occult spirits that that uh, you know dicker with their minds pass it off from one idea to another one you know I'm gonna go and do this with my friend I'll get this friend and I'm gonna I got some new friends and you know and oftentimes there's drugs involved in it you know but you know that don't mean the devil can take your kid come on now we can we can break this thing Amen. Another type of prayer is worship. You don't see worship as being a prayer, but it is uh, keeping covenant with God and petitioning the presence and the mind of God in worship. When you worship God, you exalt him and you ask his presence to remain with you through worship. 
Worship is really responding to God's presence affirmatively and asking to allow his presence to remain with you. In other words, latching on to God, you know, and holding him down. God, I don't want you to go. And so you worship him to sustain his presence. To worship also means to invoke or call upon the presence of God. And in his presence is the glory, the blessings, the affirmation, the hope, the faith. Everything that you need is in God's presence. Another kind of prayer is thanksgiving. It's expression of gratitude in God. For his deeds, his attributes... Thanksgiving is also shown in sharing testimony about what God has done. Another kind of prayer is warfare, and that is attacking and counterattacking the works of darkness. These are direct attacks, counterattacks, and using spiritual authority to do it. Power of binding and loosing. Rebuking. Those are all activities of warfare. There is no warfare if you never address the devil directly. If you never address the spirit directly, there is no warfare. You're like Paul said, we just beat the air. You know, he said we're not them kind of people. We're this is a real war we're in. So that real war means you confront a real enemy and you give him firm commands, just like Jesus did. So come out of him, go, loose him, <laughs> that kind of thing. Amen. Talking about him is not warfare. Much of what people think is is you know activity against the devil is really just exalting him they talk about him instead of addressing him directly another type of prayer is petition and that is humbly gaining God's permission and favor when you petition God you're humbly gaining his permission and favor another type of prayer is travail and that is laboring through groans and utterances to birthing the will of God into the earth after the word is conceived in your spirit. Travail is also done to wrestle souls from the enemy. We see of some uh, uh, Hannah was one that travailed in her, she groaned in her spirit. Jesus groaned in his spirit to get Lazarus released from the power of death. All of those things are, are part of prayer. Another type of prayer is affirmation. You didn't know there was this many, did you? Amen. Affirmation means to ratify, to attest to be true. So affirmation really is saying amen. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> so you're really affirming the word. When when you hear a sermon preached in the, your spirit, it just comes out of your spirit. Uh huh. And so you just are, are affirming. You're saying, I accept that. I agree with that. That's right. I attest to that. That is a form of prayer. Because once you accept that word, it becomes a part of you. And once it's a part of you, it can fight for you. 
it can bring you uh, joy it can bring you results all of that you'll start to see the results from it through affirmation I know a lot of times in religious churches they're quiet they don't want to say anything you understand what I'm saying and and they lose the power of the word because they never affirm what's being preached they never accept it so you can save yourself a lot of trouble by accepting what's preached right then and there that saves you having to go find an answer what you leave the church you see what I'm saying so you accept what's preached when it comes forth to you you just affirm it say yes amen I agree I want that you got me and so that's that's the the traditional way in the church of of uh, and the Bible says all God's promises are that way toward us you know by us we have to yes and amen all of the things we want from God prayers of dedication and consecration and those are prayers where you you um, uh, promise those are personal promises that you're making to God that these things belong to him when you dedicate your children you are promising certain things over the life of that child that you're committed to God consecration means you set certain things apart for God and God alone got me that's and those things were were not easily broken even under the old covenant remember the showbread that was just for the priest and they thought it was a sin that David and his men had it well that was an exception God made but that thing was so holy and set apart just for the priest that it was never violated that was a very rare thing it was violated so when something is consecrated to the Lord that means for his purpose under his control you can't take it back when it's convenient for you and just you know use it any kind of way you can't profane it after that you have to keep it holy corporate or national prayers when we when our presidents declare national day of prayer that that's they have the authority to call a corporate day where they expect everybody to pray you got me those are very important and uh, re- prayer as a response to a burden uh, you see examples in the word where God says I heard your sigh I see your tears so sighing and crying are types of prayer in certain situations you got me when when God raised up Moses as a deliverer he said it did it in response to the sighing of the children of Israel because of the burdens they were under you know we may not think we'd ever get there but you might get to the place where that's all you can do is cry all you can do is say you can't get your good confession going you got me it is a prayer because when you look around and that thing's taken care of and then you feel guilty I didn't even pray God just came through for me out of nowhere he saw you see when God sees he's got a covenant with us amen to rescue us from all of our destruction so our covenant with prayer includes praying without ceasing in 1st Samuel 12 if you'll go there and I'll just briefly go over these last points 1st Samuel chapter 12 and this is not just for prophets folks this is for everybody you know sometimes we read some we say who said oh the prophet said that I have to say that because that ain't me but in First Samuel, Samuel 12 and verse 23 22 Samuel says here 
uh, he's talking to people who have not obeyed God he says fear not verse 20 you have done all this wickedness yet turn not aside from following the Lord but serve him with all your heart in other words you can always repent you can always go back to God and he says don't go after vain things which can't profit you or deliver you for they are vain verse 22 for the Lord will not forsake his people and if he won't forsake us then that means we won't forsake him we've got to reciprocate for his great name's sake because it pleased the Lord to make you his people well it really pleased God for us to get saved folks he said moreover as for me God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you when you cease to pray for people you sin against God so once you undertake to pray please continue to pray you have a prayer covenant with God and you can't just quit on somebody because they seem like they don't want something people seem like they don't want stuff all the time you know there's a time in my marriage my husband act like he didn't want me but I grabbed that brother by the ankles and I put them oh excuse me (laughs) wrong meeting wrong meeting see if y'all would wake up I wouldn't have to go there y'all would help me out but that don't stop you I was just interceding for the brother he thought he wanted to go someplace else but he thought again praise the Lord praise God for brothers that think again praise God (laughs) but the reason we cannot cease praying is because God has locked up so much authority and power in the church that for us not to use it would be a great sin you got me that's just wrong to have ability and not use it it's one thing if you don't know you have it God will reveal that to you he he reveals that truth to everybody but he has given us keys to the kingdom that he expects the church to use he's given us the authority of binding and loosing whatever we allow is allowed many times sin increases in the earth because the church doesn't use the keys properly or the church when I say properly I mean this church uses the keys to get their big churches big cars big Cadillacs big everything but then they fill the church not with converts but with people that came from the last big church and now they're you understand what I'm saying so we we use certain keys you know how some of them get smooth the prosperity key is rubbed smooth folks but the key to the gates of hell that compels the the drug addict and the sinner and the prostitute and all of those people to come in and receive Christ that key's almost brand new and so we we know we're not as active and soul winning as we need to be and so we we need to get those keys out and start to pray you start with interceding telling the devil to loose these people take the blinders off of the bands of sin off their minds you know have them have them get so sick on that drug they don't want it anymore that kind of thing so these people can get free in Luke 18 1 the Bible tells us that men ought always to pray and not to faint 
Why not faint? Because if you lose heart, that prayer goes nowhere. And so there's a good reason we shouldn't faint. And he said it because of this. He said in verse 2, there wasn't a city a judge who didn't fear God and didn't regard man. In other words, he was the top dog and nobody could dethrone him. But there was a widow. I don't care how much power you have and how much you're not going to help certain people and how much authority you have and how wicked you are and how set in your ways you are. There's always somebody who can get under your skin. And there was this little woman. She was a widow. And she came to him saying, somebody has done me wrong and I want justice. She said, avenge me of my adversary. And that's what we do when we pray to God. We pray because there's something going on down here on earth that's not right. It's unjust, but it's also hurting us or hurting somebody that we know. And she says, and he wouldn't for a while. He just dug in with stubborn. I ain't thinking about her. Get her out of here. She back again. Oh boy, tell her so and so and so. And he says, but afterwards, he said something inside of him. See, that's where God talks to you. See, God can drop that on anybody at any time if we pray. And so she kept going back and kept going back. He said, though I don't fear God or regard man, because this woman bugs me, I can't get rid of her. She's troubling me. Something about her just keeps sticking with me and I can't get rid of it. He said, I'll give her what she wants. He says, and and by her continual coming, she's going to wear me down. In other words, she's going to make me a different person if I keep listening to her. That's somebody who's unjust. Think about somebody who's on your side. How much more will God give us if we persevere? Once he knows it's not just some kind of casual thing, seeing what we can get. If we, if Once he knows we're dug in like this lady was and we, we mean to get what we're asking for, then he'll release these things to us. Amen. Sometimes our faith isn't strong enough to move him yet. You know, the people that, that say things like ask once and if you ask again it's unbelief. All that nonsense. That's not biblical. It's not. You know when you're asking in faith. You know, God, did you hear me? <laughs> you know, if I need it, I'm going to talk to you again about it because I really want this. See, when you really want something, you throw the formulas out of the window. You realize you're dealing with a living God and here he is talking to me and I'm going to sit up there and and think, well, if I say this again, it's unbelief. I better not say that to him. That don't even make sense. He's your father. Just like you go to a natural parent and discuss with them and talk and get them to understand your trust in them and you just want this done in your life and I love you and I trust you God and you told me that you'll do this for me and I really want it God so let's you understand what I'm saying that's entreating that's that's respectful you know anybody could respect that and so this unjust judge did it because of perseverance there's one thing that that will get you what you need in God and that's perseverance amen fervor the Bible says the effectual fervent prayer 
You just got to mean it. You got to want it. You got to desire it. You just can't be asking for a trophy or something like that. And so if, if you're fervent, you'll receive it. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 tells us to pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean continual all day long and you don't breathe or sleep or anything. But that means you don't quit. Cease means to give up on the prayer. And by doing that, call God a liar. And that's what you do. You say, I tried this and he didn't give it to me and he must not be you understand? You make a judgment against God when you cease praying. And it says also in Galatians 6 9, for us not to be weary in well doing, for in due season, there is a due season for all things. Your prayers are seeds. When you pray the word, you plant seeds of the word in the realm of the spirit. And they have to be tended before they can come to pass. So there is a due season when that prayer will come to pass. And so the, and he tells us to not get weary in doing good. See, weariness really means that your mind is probably drifted off into doubt. Got it? So if you don't get weary in well-doing, you find yourself getting, well, I'm tired of praying for so-and-so. I wish God would go ahead and do this because I'm getting sick of this. And sick, you know, all that kind of complaining that we do. The Bible tells us when you find yourself doing that, stop doing it. And get back over into faith again. Learn how to encourage yourself. Learn how to go back to the first time. How expectant you were about it happening. The first time you even prayed. And start refreshing and renewing yourself in that. And if you'll keep this covenant of prayer, we'll see the city turned around, folks. We'll see that the, the churches turn around. You know, churches used to be filled with people who wanted to sing and worship and praise God. You know, now I don't know what we've got anymore. we got some everything going on. But I know God has a plan for this city. He has a plan for the economy. He has a plan for the church. And he has a plan for the people. So I believe if we'll stay with it, don't quit. Pray without ceasing. There's no reason to cease praying. We'll see everything that God has given us come to pass. Amen. All right. Father, we thank you for giving us your word encouraging us and giving us knowledge of prayer and and what constitutes prayer and that we won't make prayer a hard thing but we'll make it an easy thing something that we can just stop and do by talking to you reflecting on your word reflecting on the answers and the goodness of God and we thank you for that Father in Jesus name Amen praise God if anybody needs prayer I'll pray for you if you have a 